0: Why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? Do you really wanna know? It might make you
1: uncomfortable and even sound a little crazy. But if I tell you, you can't go back to sleep, here's the truth, you're under attack. We all are, our children, our families, our communities. The saddest part is they're only successful because we refuse to pay attention. For centuries, even millennia, They've conspired in the shadows and worked behind the scenes, hidden the truth behind cascading waves of
0: lies and distractions. Can we be victorious? Okay. The fusion cell. I'll be your warrior guide,
1: retired Green Beret Master Sergeant Jeremy Brown, with former Police Sergeant Jen. Do we have all the answers? Absolutely not.
2: But together, we'll find them. Now, wake up. We've got work to do.
3: Oh, down, down, down. Hello, hello. Welcome to the fusion cell. It is, wow, November 7th, times flying. We have Jeremy Brown on the live, live from Citrus County, Florida. Jail. Uh,
1: yes, we do. And it looks like my phone is fading in and out. So if you lose me, I'm sorry.
3: Okay. Now, earlier you were on InfoWars. We actually watched that live. That was pretty cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's on there!" And they had the best picture of you up there. I mean, yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't specifically hear the fusion cell, but I did hear some podcasts here and there. So you know, I'll take it.
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. Okay, <laughs> they, if they go look. We got the link installed on the website, so. That sort of one, the fusion cell, but you know, throw me in jail.
3: (laughs) No, it was actually a really interesting talk. Uh, I was kind of talking during the breaks, and you know, just totally on the same page with everything we're saying, which is kind of going to launch us into what we're talking about tonight. (laughs) Maybe controversial for some people, and for others, they already know this stuff, or at least have an inkling that these things are going on.
1: Well, and b- before before we uh, move on, uh, uh, I just want to let everybody know that contrary to the popular uh, narrative that Infowars is just a bunch of crazy co- conspiracy theories, because Alex Jones puts is behind Infowars, and clearly he can't possibly be get anything right. Um, that's a bunch of crap. Okay, first of all. Harrison Smith is an excellent journalist, and if you've never watched any of InfoWars shows, which, you know, I've been in jail for two years, so I haven't watched any of them, but the, the three main shows are, are excellent sources of observation, information that you won't get anywhere else, and then you make your own conclusion, right? Uh, three different hosts, three different personalities. You know, Alex is a little bit of an acquired taste. But what I used to tell everybody is, Usually people that talk bad about Alex Jones have never actually ever watched Alex Jones. They've only listened to what the Washington Post or New York Times says about him or even conservative media bashed them. So I always say to people, how about this? Why don't you listen to him for a week and at the end of the week you still think that it's crazy and ridiculous and it's not worth your time? Well, then move along, right? Uh, but it's an excellent information outfit. Uh, they were actually the media outlet that has brought this all about. Dot Video is a product of InfoWars, and they are the platform that launched the exposure interview of a report of the, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, attempting they're recruiting not YouTube, not Rumble, not Fox News. It was InfoWars, so their Dot Video platform. And on that platform alone, that that interview has been viewed nearly 2 million times. And it's not allowed on YouTube or anything. So, uh, you know, never go to look by what the controlled corporate government colluding media tells you about things. Listen to everybody. Look, I, I used to listen to Rachel Madhouse, right? Because why? Because if you don't know what they're saying, well, then you're not gonna have the full picture of what's going on. So I definitely suggest uh you use my interview with Harrison Smith to you know walk, you know, see see how the flow goes and uh, you might find yourself an interesting new information source.
3: Cool. Yeah.
1: That was my plug for info the <laughs> world.
3: Yeah, I didn't uh I didn't really watch Alex Jones too much before I woke up, but now that I've woken up i'm like well that is a one-stop shop for news right there because <laughs> he knows a lot of what's Well, would going you on.
1: agree with my assessment would you agree with my assessment jen you probably heard bad things about how jones before and now you've watched him a few times and you're like wait a minute this guy he might be a little bit he might be a little bit uh excitable right but the information is legit
3: um yeah i mean he's right the water's turning the frogs gay I mean, that's not a lie. <laughs> 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 that yeah! shit is real. So there's that. Um, I mean, but then even... Well, you when know he, the
1: funniest thing
3: is? Go ahead. Yeah. The funny thing is that
1: he totally runs with that whole frog gay thing because that's the big attack. Everyone's like, "Oh, Jones is a moron. He thinks the, the frogs are turning gay. And yet then you have like scientists that are like, yeah, you know, hey, you know, the chemicals in the water are confusing the biological, you know, makeup and chemical makeup and blah blah blah. But uh, you know, whatever. And then he he dresses like a frog and hops around. It it's hilarious. Yeah, it's entertaining and
0: informative.
3: Very. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat when he had uh, Kanye West on. That was that was crazy. I was like, oh my goodness, I've never seen Alex well, Jones look so uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> it was great. Okay. Well, I didn't mean to turn. I didn't mean to turn this into an Sorry. Alex Jones Appreciation Hour, Sorry. but but no, he, here's the thing. Alex Jones is a journalist, right? A, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that think, oh, Alex is compromised, and they talk about him like he should be a military leader, right? He He's a journalist, right? And journalists get things wrong, and journalists get things right. But the reality is he brings forth information. You should never put much weight in anyone's conclusions, okay? Even mine. Like I said, yeah, I'm a big fan of Neil Bortz, and his his great saying was, don't believe anything that I tell you unless you verify it for yourself, right? And see, that is the, the words of somebody who knows that they're speaking truth. Somebody that says, hey, don't believe me. Go look into it for yourself. And this is exactly how I became uh, a listener and follower, not not a follower as in, you know, like Scientology or Ron Hubbard type follower of Alexander, but someone who listened to what he has to say because in attempting to disprove him, I found that, well, he was actually laying out some legitimate information, right? Yeah. Is he always right? Absolutely not. No one is always right. Okay, but it's the observations that you should pay attention to, right? But but like Greg Reese, who I think we had on the show and who has done some videos on me, is yes. is uh, hard. If awards Harrison Smith, Owen Sawyer, I mean, they they are responsible for independent journalism that has really uh, been on the cutting edge, the tip of the spear of, like Harrison said in the interview tonight the information war because this is an information war so if you don't have uh info wars in your rolodex and information sources i would definitely suggest that you that you look into it along with other great names like jesse kelly or Clyde lewis of ground zero all of these different viewpoints and you throw some rachel maddow in there hell throw some anderson cooper in there i don't uh. care maybe Anderson was today by the same water
3: that turned the fog. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I joke about those things. Um, and I just mentioned the things that were funny, but I, I mean, yeah, just look at his actual journalism and he's been on point a lot and connects a lot of the dots. And, and again, that's, that's taken us right into what we're talking about tonight. So was there anything else that you'd like to mention before we jump in feet first?
1: Uh, no,
3: let's just cannonball it. Okay. Cannonball. (laughs) So we are, we're going to talk about, we're going to watch a video actually of Ted Gunderson. He's a former FBI head. Okay. And he's going to explain his experience here and we're going to stop it in 15 minute segments or so, so that we can, uh, talk about it and especially get Jeremy's two cents but what we're going to talk about here is the satanic Illuminati cult, um, how it's involved with the committee of 300 and how that's uh, penetrated the, the FBI. So let's okay. get into it.
1: Before you start. Yes. You threw out some terms there and, and uh, let me just inform everybody. Current like Illuminati, you know, pay less attention To what group name is attributed to the information or the conspiracy or whatever and pay more attention to again the observation right because look there's lots of people out there that believe all types of different groups are responsible and the correct assessment is that most of them are all right (laughs) but see it's this world of well, we'll call it conspiracy theory because we got to take the language back, all right? Um, you know, the difference between conspiracy theorists uh, these days is only like three weeks, right? In the world of trying to sniff out what the hell is actually going on in this crazy world, there are camps that develop, right? And so you'll have a camp that says, oh, the Jesuits are responsible. Oh, no, the Muslims are responsible. Oh, no, the Illuminati are responsible. No, it's the Catholic Church. No, it's, this. it's the Jews. It's this. It's all these different groups, right? It's in yeah. world economic forum. And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> because this is how compartmentalized operations work, right? And so all of these groups, exist and they're all involved in some aspect of what is going on see they're compartmentalized groups and they probably all think that they're in charge of running the world when the reality is the, the puppet master that control even them because in all of these secret societies now even your local southern baptist church is structured like a secret society because see the deacons all sit in meetings that you don't get to sit in, and then the deacons don't get to sit in the meetings that the pastors and the elders sit in, right? Chain of command is, in essence, its own compartmentalized structure. So don't get so wrapped around the terms of Illuminati because there's a lot of people, oh, the Illuminati, they they went away, this and that. Look, the greatest lie Satan ever told was that he doesn't exist, okay? So in the world of covert, clandestine, and compartmentalized operations, of which secret societies fall under, if you don't believe me, ask John F. Kennedy, right? That's right. There's all types of disinformation. I just learned the other night about the Black Lodge uh, being another entity within this world of, you know, controlled secret societies, right? That's why they're called (gasps) secret. You have one minute left. Secret societies, right? So you can expect that names and uh, people who are members and all that there's going to be tons of different disinformation, right? So I don't want you to get turned off by the fact that that you believe the Illuminati ended back in the '40s or whatever. That was and so, therefore, anybody who says that this child trafficking ring is run by the Illuminati can't possibly be true. Pay attention to the
0: observation. That is what's key.
1: So when we come back, I will let Jim
0: continue.
3: Okay. Awesome.
0: The caller has hung up.
3: Yeah, I can see how that can be off-putting for some people. Like I said, we're, when we go into the rabbit hole, there's, you know, it can be controversial sometimes. And some people, uh, even just the connotation of it, get turned off and turn their ears off. But I hope that if you're watching this show, that you know to approach these with an open mind uh, because there's a lot of people that hear Trump, for example, and turn their ears off and their minds, obviously, um, hear about J6, hear about the Constitution, hear the word comment. You know what I mean? So there's so many of these preconceived notions and we have to, if you really are seeking truth, and you really do want to know the source. Um If, you, if you're if you really very interested and you're a curious unknown. person, you have to be open and at least listen. An incarcerated individual offered.
0: at Citrus County. 4. And then make an assessment after this that. call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, further research, of course, if needed, instructions which usually to register it this is. Number as a private number to accept this free call, press one to refuse this free. Thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now.
1: All right, Ben. I think I lied to you because okay. while I was talking about that, one more example of exactly what I'm talking about, and then you can start, okay? okay. So a perfect example is Anton LaVey. If you don't know who Anton LaVey is, he's this figure, who I believe was the the head of the Church of Satan. And then you had Michael Aquino, who I believe was the founder of the Temple of Seth. You know that Anton LaVey didn't believe, or at least told his followers, there's not actually a real Satan, right? This is all just a conceptual aspect that our say our satanism you know doesn't rely on the fact that there's an actual thing whereas michael aquino was like oh no there's totally a satan he's awesome lucifer rock and so this is why they started two different entities and this is exactly what i mean at the end of the day they say did they engage in the exact same type of evil ultimately yes and so again you, you have to look at the finer, nuanced aspects of these thing and not get turned off or turned on by certain terms or names. Pay attention to the observations. And so, without further ado, Mr. Ted Gunderson.
3: Okay. I was showing people uh, Anton Levain and, and Michael Aquino. All right, here we are.
2: FBI. I was an FBI agent from December 10, 1951 until I retired March the 30th, 1979. At the time of my retirement, I was in charge of most of Southern California. I had over 700 personnel under my command, budget of $22.5 million. I had 16 offices that I was responsible for. I had a fantastic career. In the old days, the FBI was a great organization. Unfortunately, as I said a few moments ago, It's been infiltrated by the satanic cult, Illuminati movement, as well as other agencies like the NSA and the CIA and so forth. And I'll go more into detail on that in a minute. In my FBI career, I I point this out to you because uh, I'm establishing credibility. I do have credibility. I was one of the top executives in the FBI in my day. As a matter of fact, I was interviewed for the directorship in 1975 by Attorney General Griffin Bell's uh, people. Uh, of course, they didn't want me. Uh, it's very obvious because I'm rather outspoken. But you know, I was uh, watching TV here not too long ago. It was a couple of years ago, actually. And Brian Gumble had uh, Jim Nichols, who's Terry Nichols' brother, Terry Nichols being the Oklahoma City conspirator who was convicted and tried and so forth along with McVeigh. And I had given Jim, my Oklahoma City report, I made two trips to Oklahoma City. Out of my pocket, I uh, submitted a 222-page report. I've given it to congressmen, senators. Rohrbachler is the most recent one who did an investigation on Oklahoma City bombing here last December. And uh, Jim says to Brian Gumble, have you seen Ted Gunderson's report? And Brian Gumble says, oh, he's a conspiracy theorist. That's the way he cast me aside. You know he's wrong. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy realist. There there is a conspiracy. And I will prove it to you, and I'll document it. Time is very limited. I'll do the best I can in the next hour or so. But go Hmm. go back to Pearl Harbor. Actually, you can go back further than that. Go back to Pearl Harbor. We knew about Pearl Harbor December the 4th. We were attacked December the 7th. We could have pulled our fleet out of Pearl Harbor. We didn't. I've talked to the Naval Intelligence Officer who intercepted or received that message that the Japanese code had been broken. Right, stop, he passed it up to his...
3: superior. All
1: right. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm laughing. And I'm not laughing because I think the idea that we knew about Pearl Harbor is ridiculous. No, it's exactly the opposite. Jen, what were we just talking about in the last few days, a show about what?
3: Were we, well, we were talking about Pearl Harbor recently also. Is that what you're talking about? I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, we the were movie? just
1: talking about putting a show together about all of these fake incidents, mm. incidences used to get into war. And today, I was just telling you about how I wanted to do an in-depth warning episode about how there's basically a new Pearl Harbor moment brewing right now. And so Mm. it's literally, and I had no idea that you were even planning on playing this tonight or that he was going to say this. And so that's the reason why I'm laughing. So yeah, listen very closely because even the Hollywood movies about Pearl Harbor, like Midway and Pearl Harbor, you know, with Ben Affleck and everything basically show that they knew that the Japanese found, they sugarcoat it a little bit, and they make it like, oh, just some intelligent guy, blah, blah, blah. No, see, that's the that's the misdirection there, right? The subtleness of that misdirection is basically recovering a truth, which is they knew exactly what was going to happen at Pearl Harbor. And, and we'll, we'll talk in our big warning episode that we're going to now definitely have to do now that I've let the cat out of the bag. But sorry, Jenna. Let's see listening to listen,
3: Gimme keep playing it. Yes, yeah, please. He cut
2: out a little bit. Okay.
1: I'll, I'll, try not to, I'll try not to
2: interrupt. Oh no. I'll do. <laughs> by Congress. His superior in the Navy said, Don't worry about it. Don't go to the, the hearing. He didn't. Never heard anything more about it. Jack Kennedy. Jack Kennedy assassination. It's well documented. He was murdered by the mob in Chicago, Sam Giancana's group, and also by the CIA. Jack was going to revamp the CIA. He made his uh, personal goals and aims um, uh, public to within his circles, of course, and he was gonna make some major changes. Also, he had withheld and aborted the invasion of Cuba, which upset some individuals. Um, I recently learned that uh, a fellow named I.B. Hale, who was an All-American football player, Texas Christian, uh, was ordered and was involved, he was an FBI agent at the time, in changing this, the, the route, the parade route of the Jack Kennedy group that day. I have information that the night before the Kennedy assassination, there was a meeting, a secret meeting at the Clinton Murchison home, Murchison being an oil man. Those in that meeting included Lyndon Baines Johnson, and I'm sorry to say, and I regret that this is, I know this is true because I've personally documented, I've talked to people who know that this is true, J. Edgar Hoover was there. I was shocked when I learned this, and I only learned this within the last year. And the reason I know is because I talked to the maid that worked in the Murchison home that night. And when Lyndon Johnson came out of that meeting, he says to his girlfriend, Margaret Brown, who wrote a book about this, and I used to have my radio talk show in 97, 98, and I had her on my radio talk show. She said, then Johnson told her, after tomorrow, we don't have to worry about that SLB Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy, shot in the kitchen, the Ambassador Hotel, Los Angeles five bullet shots in him, there were 11 shots fired. There were uh, shot supposedly by Saran Saran, and I'm sure he was, Saran was part of it, but Saran Saran's gun would only hold eight bullets. There were three, there were extra bullets in the wall and in the hall, and and in the door, uh, covered up. Ruby Ridge, we all know about uh, Randy Weaver, BATF tried to set him up. He wouldn't go along with it. They issued a a bench warrant for his arrest. He didn't appear in court. They sent an army out to him. Horiochi, FBI sharpshooter, murdered his wife in front of the window of the front door. Oklahoma City, I personally, as I said, made two trips to Oklahoma City. I was told by an inside investigator, inside investigator now, somebody that was on the inside that there were at least 11 other people involved in Oklahoma City. The fertilizer bomb was a myth. There was no fertilizer bomb, ridiculous. There was an ammonia nitrate, excuse me, it was an electrohydrodynamic gaseous fuel device, a highly classified bomb that was tested in the early 1980s, 1982, as a matter of fact, in Area 51. And the explosion was underestimated. It was so powerful it killed one of the technicians. I happen to have personal knowledge of that particular bomb. I'll call it the barometric bomb. The government covered it up. I have, in my archives at home, by the way, I have over 300 boxes of research. I have my videotapes of the news broadcasts the afternoon of Oklahoma City. The broadcasters on the TV stations in Oklahoma City, every one of them said, they're bringing unexploded devices out of the building. One of them said, now we're gonna find out who's behind this because one of the unexploded devices has US Army stenciled on it. That's right. And of course, you and I know that McVeigh and Nicholas could not possibly have been in there that morning and planted those devices. What I think was uh, planned was the barometric bomb was to go off a very highly explosive bomb is manufactured by the Hercules Manufacturing Company, Silicon Valley, developed by um, Michael Reconosuto, a friend of mine who's now in prison because he dared to testify against Congress, the Brooks Committee, and they set him up on a drug operation, first offense, 30 years. Michael was an intelligence agent for some 20 years, one of my closest friends. I go visit him regularly at Terminal Island in San Pedro, California. That bomb was developed by Michael and his father, Berkeley Manufacturing in Silicon Valley. It was a directional bomb, and if you look at the pictures of Oklahoma City, you'll see where half the building was taken away. It was like a half moon. Well, the four unexploded devices that were taken out of there, by the way, it's documented in a magazine article called Firehouse Magazine, September 1995. The editor of that magazine wrote the article based on information furnished to him by the Oklahoma City Fire Department. And in there, he says, and he has a time schedule, that on certain times, these unexploded devices were taken out of the building. There was a plan, in my opinion, to explode the the barometric bomb, followed up by a series of bombs, and to bring that whole building down like they did 911. There was no question about it. They They had planned, they, meaning the New World Order boys, and I'm gonna go more into that in just a minute to bring that whole Oklahoma City for, uh, building down. Uh, we had uh, Waco, uh, it's kind of interesting because we know of posse comitatus, it's against the law for the federal government to use military against civilian personnel, violation of the law, yet they brought military personnel in. And it's kind of interesting because I know Those of you who have looked at the Oklahoma City, excuse me, the Waco case, realize that there were four BATF agents who were killed in Waco. All four of those agents in my research took headshots. How many military men do we have out there? Raise your hand. What does that indicate to you? Sniper, right? They were shot by snipers four headshots, to the four BATF agents. One of the headshots went from above down in through his lips and down into his body from above. There was a helicopter there by the government. Further research established that those four BATF agents at one time were bodyguards for Bill Clinton. Um, Larry, Oklahoma City, again, I'm going to go back to Oklahoma City. Terry Nichols, most recently, again, the co-conspirator in the Oklahoma City case, recently submitted, in fact, January 19th, submitted a a document, an affidavit in the courts in Salt Lake City that Larry Watts, number two man in the FBI, actually orchestrated Oklahoma City.
0: You have one minute left. You don't see this
2: in the mainstream media, do you? The 1993 World Trade Center bombing of the February 26th, 1993. There's an article in the uh, New York Times. I have a copy of this article. It's October 23, 1993.
3: I'm going to pause it right there. He's throwing out a lot of events, and I just want to get your two cents on him when you come back, Jeremy, before we continue. Yeah, we're
1: going to have to break this up over, uh, probably tomorrow, or what's today, Tuesday? So tomorrow's Wednesday. I think we're probably going to have to because I've got some notes here that I definitely want to talk about because people, I mean, look, it's very easy for those of us who understand what we're seeing to rattle off all these things because we automatically assume that you also have a nice And so what I want to do is kind of go back and just kind of talk through each of these events a little bit more. Thank you for using
0: Securus. Goodbye. The caller has hung up. Thank you for using Securus. Goodbye.
3: So he, he's talking a lot about the Oklahoma City bombing, and there is a documentary out there, and it's called "A Noble Lie: Oklahoma City, 1995." The producer of that documentary is Chris Emery, and I've spoken with him. Um, I, I'd like to do a watch party with you all. Watch that documentary and he said he'd be uh he'd actually love to come on the show and we can do a question and answer session with him either before the watch party or after um so he's he's given us permission to do that so keep that in mind when you're when you're watching this and he's making ted gunderson again is making all these statements specifically about oklahoma Unknown city caller. we will learn more from the source
0: an incarcerated individual at Citrus County, Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and may be monitored. If you believe this should be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number to accept this free call. Press one oh. to refuse this free. Thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now.
1: All right, you got me, Jim. Yeah. All right, well, let me preface this commentary on something that we've talked about before, and that is the ability to identify propaganda. Uh, you know, remember, remember how we've talked about fire hydrants and how you probably don't recognize that there's fire hydrants all over the place, but as a firefighter, I can tell you there's a fire hydrant Pretty much every couple hundred feet in all directions, anywhere within municipal areas, right? Yeah. And the next time that you go out and you drive down the road, look for the fire hydrant. And you can tell that there's a fire hydrant usually in most districts because it's pretty standard thanks to NFPA. That blue reflectors in the center line of the highway is an indicator of a fire hydrant to either the left or the right. This is an indicator to the engineer or AKA the fire truck driver, that there's a hydrant there, Mm -hmm. right? Now, you don't know this because you're not a firefighter. And so if I were to tell you that there's fire hydrants all over the place, you might say, ah, no, there's not that many. But now when you go out, because I've told you, and all I've done is told you that these exist, now you're going to see them everywhere. It's the same idea of you just bought a brand new car, and now you see that little car. Everybody has one. But see, everyone already had them. You just weren't paying attention because you had no reason. And so what I was talking about is how uh, Mr. Gunderson is rattling off all of these things and all of these things that to him are just like, well, clearly this is a conspiracy because of this one little detail. You see, things that actually are there are there for a reason. And they can't just be written off by some fake narrative. Once you see them, they can't be unseen. Once you know them, they can't be unknown. And so what do they have to do in order to cover up? They have to rely on your ignorance. They have to rely on the fact that you didn't know that the four ATF agents had headshots. Mm. And I will tell you, headshots are not easy like they make them in the movies. Right. In fact, I'm a special forces sniper. I, I graduated a special operations target interdiction in nineteen ninety-eight. Snipers don't take long-range headshots. They'll take headshots within a reasonable range because that's the quickest way to put somebody down, hitting them in the three by five inch postcard, which encompasses the eyeballs and their nose and everything like that that is going to drop them right away. But see, if you can't 100% make that shot, well, then you're going to take a body shot because your job is to take out the target. Only in the movie do you make physical uh, headshots, right? And so the training to identify little details is a real thing. In fact, in... Special Operations Target Interdiction Course, now known as Special Forces Sniper School. One of the main things of a sniper is not shooting, it's observing, which is why, amongst the sniper community, we'll often jokingly say, Why my keys? We would say, because I'm a trained observer, right? Because, see, we actually train to be able to pick things out. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's an exercise called Kim's Game, right? And I, I believe it's based off a Chinese uh, technique, but you basically gradually increase the time. So what you have is you have 10 items on a table and they'll be covered up and the instructor will take the, bl- the cover off the 10 items. You have one minute to stare at them and then they'll cover them back up and then they'll say, all right, go back and log those 10 items, right? And then the game progresses by getting time to stare at the items and more time before you're allowed to log them. To the point where at the end of the observation exercise phase of SODIC, you're sitting in your classroom that you've been in every single day. And the final exam or the final exercise is, okay, you go into a different room and they say, all right, draw every detail you can about the classroom. Now, you were never told to pay attention to the classroom, right? And so these are all exercises in observation. It's what hones your ability to pick out little details that you might see in like a CSI movie episode, right, where the, the CSI guy sees a hair on the edge of a blanket out of the corner of his eye, right? Yeah, that's kind of mythical, but really it's not. See, a trained observer has this ability. Other exercises that we would do would be you know, uh, observation exercise where about uh, 25 meters away, the instructors have put in the woods 10 random items. And you have 10 minutes to observe by your naked eye, 10 minutes to observe with binoculars, and then 10 minutes to observe with a spotting scope, mm-hmm. which is a high-powered Monocular device, and you have you train on different search patterns. You train on how to identify the difference in shapes, the different Mm -hmm. colors. But see, observation is a trainable skill. The FBI agents train on it. I'm sure. Green Berets train on it. In fear school, you're trained to identify propaganda. You're trained to identify being put in a situation where you're the subject of the propaganda. And I, I'm not going to expose some of the techniques because they are considered classified. Why? Because if our enemies knew that we knew, well, then they might be able to develop the fact that when your cover story is, I'm just a missionary but yet they see you applying this special forces technique to avoid propaganda. Now they're like, wait a minute, you're not a missionary. Right. But it is a reality that you can become a trained observer. And so when experienced people like Mr. Gunnison, who spent 28 years in the federal Bureau of Investigation said, well, or my investigation. I found this, I found that, I found this. And then he says, what What happened to it all? And then he says, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy realist because he knows these certain things that no one else knows. He picks up on these finer details that the average person doesn't pick up on. Right? Right. And so he, he's writing some of these ideas out. And, and I just... You know, I, I'm you know, a lot of these things I've known about, but some of the things I didn't know, for example, firehouse magazine, firehouse magazine. I, I noticed because I was a firefighter. Firehouse magazine is a fire service industry magazine, much like an aviation magazine or an automotive industry magazine, boring magazines that nobody gets except for people that are within that industry. Right. So in every firehouse across America, they have a subscription to Firehouse Magazine. And so they run technical analysis in the refer from the case studies, right? Like this mission, Operation Red Wing, which the, the mission or uh, the movie Lone Survivor is based off of. When I was in uh, per, uh, Personnel Recovery 101, that was a case study, meaning they analyze the after action reviews and they go through what did they do right? What did they do wrong? And this and that so that we can learn, right? Well, this is Firehouse Magazine has these types of boring articles to the average person, but to firefighters, they're very significant. And so the fact that he's quoting, he's citing Firehouse Magazine that did investigations on Oklahoma City that you know nothing about, but they exist, right? It's the same reason why certain things about 9-11 I know are 100% false in the narrative because— of my experience as a firefighter, certain things that I know are completely false because of my experience as a special forces communicator, certain things I know that are false because of my regular run-of-the-mill special forces experience, right? And so these are all excellent points that Mr. Gunderson is making, and I wish he could talk for five or six hours and go detail by detail, but the idea is that, for example, The war in Cuba, that was a a globalist failure. Why? Because Kennedy averted it through diplomacy, right, which we would expect a president to do. But do you realize that the idea behind 9-11 was actually an idea that they had in order to start a war with Cuba? It was called Operation Warpour. Don't believe me. You can go to the Library of Congress and search Operation Northwood and find the declassified military plans for Operation Northwood. And guess what they were? To fake hijacking of aircraft by Cubans. That's right. As well as other things, right? So, the, yeah, so that, I have personally gone to the Library of Congress, not some conspiracy type, not Air Force Wars or not, you know, MSNBC. You right? went to the but source. The actual library of Congress, yeah, directly to the official government archive, and found the declassified the, the document. So when he talks about these types of areas, he just breathes his mind. He can be easily proved. Or, or how about this: the Bobby Kennedy situation,
0: right? Sirhan
1: Sirhan. Uh, I listen to a podcast where the uh, a, a group is trying to get Sirhan Sirhan on because to this day. He still stands by the fact that I don't know anything about this. Like I like he was unconscious or whatever. I can't remember his exact story. And these investigative journalists and these yeah uh, you know, uh goody two shoot pro photo attorneys that come and everything like that. Yes, this doesn't make any sense. Well, uh Mr. Gunnerson's explaining, well, yeah, his gun only held eight rounds, that is a hard act. If your gun only holds eight rounds, you can't fire eleven bullets. No matter how many times Joe Biden says that they can. Okay? This is just a hard cold hard fact, right? So if that cold hard fact exists, well do we have to question the official narrative. Where did the other three bullets come from? But yet right. isn't it funny that that what's that?
3: No, I just said that's right. Yeah.
1: Isn't it hilarious, or maybe it's ironic, or maybe it's scary, that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is the son of Robert Kennedy, right? Isn't that what Robert Kennedy Jr. stands for? Jen?
3: What? Sorry, I was reading the comments. It it
1: isn't. Doesn't Robert Kennedy Jr. mean he was the
3: son of Robert Kennedy? Oh, yes. The slain
1: presidential candidate and former attorney general? Do you know that he's still, to this day, after numerous death threats, being denied Secret Service Mm -hmm. protection, the son of an assassinated presidential candidate?
3: Does nobody find that ironic, scary, typical? Yeah, it's very odd. And they've come up with some excuses as to why that is, but obviously it makes no sense.
0: Of course, they come up with all kinds of
1: excuses. Like, do you know that Timothy McVeigh was executed in record time? All right, ladies and gentlemen, I was convicted in December of 2022 my appeal will not be ruled on until probably may june july uh, if i was timothy mcmay i think i would be dead already I, I don't remember the exact time frame but it was literally record time for a federal convict to be executed after oklahoma city does nobody find this odd and Do you know who was in charge of that prosecution? You have
0: one minute left.
3: Who?
1: Rhymes with Mm -hmm. Merrick Garland.
3: Oh, man, that's right. Yes. Is that cool? Are we to believe (sighs) that this
1: cover-up that took place on Oklahoma City, that this 28-year FBI agent who directly investigated all this was actually also run by now the current Attorney General of the United States that's responsible for all these other fraudulent investigations and covers up. Look, there is nothing new under the sun, folks. This is a conspiracy. It ain't no theory. Yeah.
0: Let me call back and then we can listen to some more.
3: Okay.
0: The caller has hung up.
3: Yeah, I was just reading the comments here. Steven 94 said, Ted Gunderson, the former agent in charge of investigating the satanic McMartin preschool incident. I just started watching now. And so I just did a quick search on that. And man, I'm yes, that was him. I'm not sure if he's going to hit on it here, so I don't want to spoil it. Um, But there's there were some satanic things going on there at that preschool and I'm just wondering if that is when he started to realize that these other things were going on or, you know, when did he start to put those kinds of pieces together? What was the chronology of events? Um, notice that he's not yet saying why these things are happening. Unknown. He's, he's just um, spitting out a lot of events and... And incarcerated individual You know, quote-unquote conspiracy theories about, about them.
0: Florida. This call is not private. It will be recorded and um, may be monitored. If you Let's believe this should us. be a private call, please hang up and follow facility instructions to register this number as a private number. To accept this free call, press 1. To refuse this free thank you for using Securus. You may start the conversation now.
1: All right, one more thing, Jim, before you get started. Okay. It's this ability to know things and observe things that the conspirators never account for. Because, see, evil is arrogant, okay? The FBI, the DOJ, the prosecutors, in my case, are arrogant. They're arrogant. They're lazy. It leads to complacency, and they make mistakes, with all a normal capacity, would totally work. Why? Because uh, if Jen was arrested and had M67 fragmentation grenades planted in her RV, she has never signed a, a DA 593. That's the draw document for military munition. She would not even likely know that she should request the logistical uh, tracking, the chain of custody of ammunition that the military keeps. Why? Because she wasn't in the military. She just is some poor innocent sap who was at home uh, enjoying her life, and then the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force shows up and says she has a bunch of military explosives, right? And then even if the report was given to her, she wouldn't likely be able to say. Of the two locations that those grenades currently exist, one is Kuwait, and one is the. Bluegrass Special Projects Office. See, she might not think twice about the Special Projects Office. She has no idea what the Special Project Office is or where Clay is. I'm not saying you, not, I'm sure you know where the is. But my point is, is that because she doesn't have experience in these matters, she might not do what I did when I read this report and saw that the Special Project Office was one of only two places on the planet that actually to this day has grenades from that lot number. Because, see, I know what the term special projects, special activities, other agencies, and I'm using my air quotations here, right? These are all words used to cover up stuff that nobody knows about, right? (laughs) And so because I recognize this based on my experience, I'm able to be like, aha, do you mean to tell me that these grenades only exist in two places on the planet and one of them is the Bluegrass Special Project office, which is part of the Bluegrass Army Depot? See, they didn't know that. They didn't think anything of it. But, see, this is my point, is that when somebody who knows what they're looking at, this is why I constantly am badgering the Department of Justice. I want the confidential human source information. Because, see, I'll be able to look at it and understand exactly the extent of their illegal surveillance network. It's just like I want to see all the January 6th video. Why? Because, see, I'll be able to look into a crowd and go, wait a minute. rewind that see that guy right there see that that uh, that little tiny marking there there's another guy in this other area of the capital with that exact same marking and not the marking that was put out there like the orange uh the orange uh, watch cap right oh this is how they were organized right i'm talking about little tiny insignificant markings that we use to identify our people. Just like in the body cam footage, hey, our guys are wearing these bracelets. See, those are little covert signals that aren't commonly recognized, except by those who are no, who know what they're looking for. If you didn't know, because see, everybody wears these little rubbery, gummy bracelets these days, right? But see, when you're doing these types of covert operations, You might say, all right, um, uh, Alpha Team, you're going to be wearing red gummy bracelets. Bravo Team, you're going to be wearing white gummy bracelets. And Charlie Team, you're going to be wearing blue gummy bracelets, right? Well, we all know the difference between uh, a teenage girl wearing a Save the Wells gummy bracelet and our gummy bracelets. But to everyone else, we'll just look like some soy boy. Skinny jeans wear. Who wants to you know stop climate change? See, this is how it works, and this is why I told the judge in my case, Your Honor, that I can't rely on the DOJ picking out what video to give to me because they don't know what I'm looking for. And see this is the reality. Just like Mister Gunnerson, he gives you these details. See, he's giving details that he has identified observations he made based on his 28 years of experience. Perfect example is the Oklahoma City News Report. See, when you know what to listen for, well, then you pick things out very easily.
3: So, And also the different ah. kinds of bombs, right? For example, he was saying that was ridiculous. There's no way it would be a fertilizer bomb and then describe the, um, the damage to the building. So... Yeah, so let's let's play. Oh my gosh, um, go
1: ahead. Let's let's listen to him. We're gonna have such a good 9/11 episode now. I swear, (laughs) I've got to do it.
3: All right, I'm gonna play five more minutes of this. Bring this back up.
2: New York Times, and it states that the FBI had an informant among the terrorists, Saddam. I mean, uh, Salam, and he was commissioned by the terrorists put the bomb together. He went to his FBI handler, supervisor, told him he was the one to put the bomb together. He'd been commissioned by the terrorists. We're gonna use a dummy bomb, aren't we? His FBI handler said, no, we're gonna use a real bomb. The FBI not only knew in advance that they were gonna bomb the World Trade Center, a car bomb the World Trade Center, the FBI furnished the ingredients for the bomb. It was in the New York Times, LA Times. Now, what I don't understand is do the not the senators and the congressmen of the United States read those two newspapers? Right? Somebody, somebody should have looked into that and conducted an honest investigation. But then, after all, we have 911. Do you think there was an honest investigation there? Absolutely not. 911. My friend Mike Rakonosuto, intelligence agent for two decades. In the spring of 1986, I was contacted by a former top Reagan administrator, Bill Sloan, who's now dead, or I'll use, so I'll use his name. Bill said, Can you help the Afghan rebels in their fight against the Soviets? Uh, knowing Mike and knowing his background, I contacted Mike. I said, Let's see if we can help the fellows out over there, beat the communists. So we had a meeting with a fellow from the State Department slash CIA in Los Angeles. Mike and I did. He brought along a fourth individual. Fourth individual was Tim Osman. And um, he didn't say much. He was tall, slender, clean shaven. And Mike and this fellow from Washington, D.C. talked. I sat in the background. And uh, long story short, Michael was able to put together a package and provided the Afghan rebels the surfaced air missiles that defeated the Soviets. In Afghanistan also Mike learned in his contacts working with the Arabs that our government gave the Afghan rebels 650 million dollars a year for five years no question about it in my mind they're using that money today against us okay they defeated the communists over there and as a result of Mike's contact with these individuals he developed sources in the Middle East, Arab friends. He had even though he's in prison because he testified against the Department of Justice on the promise software case and I don't have time to go into details there, but the promise softwares deal by Bill and Nancy Hamilton out of Washington DC and this uh, this software this computer keeps track of everything you can imagine the Department of Justice took at least at least it for two years at the tune of uh, ten million dollars. And then at the end of two years, refused to pay the Hamiltons. Uh, The Brooks Committee had a hearing on it, and Mike was called to testify because he put a trap door in the the computer. And then when the Department of Justice refused to pay the Hamiltons, fellow Earl Bryant, past president of United Press International, took that computer and sold it around the world to countries all over the world. With that trapdoor in it, of course, these countries didn't know that there's a trapdoor there. But the Brooks Committee was looking into this. This is in the late 1980s. Uh, three weeks before Mike was to testify, he received a telephone call. He claims from a fellow named Peter vetniks Department of Justice. If you testify, you'll be sorry. testified. shortly thereafter, he's arrested for drugs. Claimed he had a methamphetamine laboratory. Thirty years, as I mentioned. Anyway, in spite of the fact that he's in prison. He still had these contacts in the Arab world. And when he was in Coleman, Florida, the federal penitentiary, he had access to the computer and a very very brilliant fellow, high IQ, and a very cagey individual, very competent, very capable. Uh, Mike developed these sources inside the Arab world. Now, he's in prison in Terminal Island now, but at the time, he was at White Deer, Pennsylvania, Federal Correction Institute. He tried to get to the FBI tried to get to the Department of Justice, tried to get the word to the proper authorities because Mike developed information, advanced information about 911. As a matter of fact, on February the 5th, 2001, Mike wrote a letter <clears throat> to his attorney, Don Bailey, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We have I have developed sources inside the Arab world. They're about to attack us. I have detailed information. I have a copy of that letter and it's certified February 6th 2001. Nobody would talk to Mike. Finally, his attorney Lou Bufardi in Chicago wrote to the to Colin Powell and said, I have a client who has information about terrorist activities. Uh, and they sent in a fellow named Keith Koutry from the FBI in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And at that time, Mike told him who was head of the terrorist movement in the United States, an electrical engineer out of Patterson, New Jersey, who has since gone back to the Middle East. Gave him details about forthcoming attacks in the United States by the Arabs, terrorist attacks, uh, and so forth. Gave him an informant. Gave the FBI an informant who was preparing false IDs for 4,500 terrorists around the world. The FBI did not interview him. 911 occurred, much to Mike's surprise. He thought he had done his part as an American citizen, and then they interviewed this individual two days came back and interviewed Michael two days afterwards and later interviewed this individual who was preparing uh, these uh, false passports, IDs, and um, threatened him with prosecution, deported him and sent him back. Um, We had uh, another individual, General Ownby. Out of Fort Sill, Oklahoma, back in 1982. This—I'm just giving you some examples of the conspiracy. These are—this is a—there is a conspiracy, folks. There's no question about it. These are just some examples. I'm going to go more into detail. General Womby was responsible for the biggest drug bust in the history of the Army, Fort Sill, Oklahoma. He went to work one night late. He was working. Never—his wife didn't come. He didn't come home. They found him the next day out in the hallway, hung. He had his uh, uniform, his jacket. Lee placed next to him, there was no suicide note. His hands were tied behind him, and the army said he committed suicide. Now the question is: Did he tie his hands behind him before or after he hung himself? Okay, we had Ron Brown, Secretary of Commerce.
3: We can pause it there because we, so, we we should probably finish this tomorrow night because um, we only got into it eighteen yeah. minutes out of about an hour. Um. But something to say, I just wanted to point out some things, you know, early he talked about, earlier he talked about um, three of those agents that got killed being tied to the Clintons. And then now he's talking about uh, terrorists, you know, they're using that money against us. Um, They're giving information to the FBI. It's it's not even getting used. 9-11 happens. It kind of reminds me of all these movies that we've seen growing up where, you know, the protagonist has that you have one, minute left. one bit of information. And if they can just get this information to the right people, they can save this disaster from happening. Right. That's um, right. But uh, it, it's the, the actual situation is so much deeper and darker than that. Um, the, you know, well,
1: and yeah. notice all the different lines, right? Mr. Gunderson is uncovering one line of the compartmentalization, right? It's no different than, have you ever seen the uh, photograph of John McCain Indian here smiling with the leaders of ISIS? Oh, no, you haven't seen that photograph? Well, maybe you should look it up. But we'll continue this uh, tomorrow, Jen.
3: Okay. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And uh, appreciate all your input. So.
1: And this will be a good segue into our big warning episode that we've got to figure out how we're going to do. <laughs> because something bad is coming, folks i wish it wasn't but it is thank
0: you for using Securus. us goodbye
3: and extensive research is needed to talk about it i'd say expose it all but just talk about it um steven 94 what time tomorrow i'm on the east coast in California. in oh east coast of california um well we're on the east coast in florida so we're we're working off eastern eastern standard time so our podcast is monday through thursday 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you for joining, Stephen94. And anybody else who, this is your first time, welcome to the Fusion Cell. Uh, If you don't already know about Jeremy Brown, 20-year former Green Beret master sergeant who worked uh, as a communication sergeant and was heavily involved in unconventional warfare, the ins and outs of that. And so we talk about current events or you know topics like this and get his perspective uh, on what we're seeing happening right before our eyes and the direction that not just this country is headed, but the world. So that's what this podcast is about. He is currently in jail. He uh, recorded the FBI trying to recruit him to be a confidential human source in the Oath Keepers. He refused and uh, the rest is history. So, we're still waiting on uh, the. Oh, by the way, he he said in Infowars. If you if you didn't catch that in, in Infowars, his trial, which was for DC and was set for the end of January, has been extended. So we don't have a date on that anymore. But it will not be the end of January. Right now, we're still waiting to see how the appeals goes for the Tampa trial which just that appeal just got filed October 23rd. So we have 60 days for the uh, prosecution, if you will, to, to answer that appeal. And then we'll, you know, they do a little rock-a-ball with it, a little back and forth and we'll figure out, we'll give you an update as soon as we have one. So this Ted Gunderson video, I just came upon it, but it's, Hit, like I said, hitting a lot of different topics also has to do with uh, Oklahoma City bombing, which I do want to have a watch party about and speak with the producer. Again, we'll do a and a either before or after. Uh, and he has one other documentary that I'd like to show also called Shadow Ring, which is about the deep state. So we have a few things lined up. Today, we just dropped that Bobby Powell interview. Please feel free to check that out. It's already been posted on Rumble. That was posted at noon, our time over here on the East Coast. And Bobby Powell has some explosive video that he was bribed and threatened to keep quiet from J6. He refuses to do so because he takes his oath very seriously, just as Jeremy Brown does and as I do as well. Uh, Thank you very much for joining if you guys have any questions, if you have any comments, concerns, whatever, please feel free to email us at thefusioncell@protonmail.com. At you can find Jeremy Brown's story, his gifts and go, and more information uh, about Jeremy on jeremybrowndefense.com and you can find us on Twitter at thefusioncell. Well so we'll see you again here tomorrow night. We'll continue our video and analysis of Ted Gunderson talking about the conspiracy theories the Illuminati and what the heck is going on in our country everybody have a safe night whatever you do don't do nothing have a good night folks
2: world domination same old dream. The universe grows smaller every day. This nation the God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. It was a great word.